Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP. As always, it's your boy, Dave Neal. How's everyone doing today? Are we hanging in there? For six years straight, we've been doing episodes of this podcast every Monday, uh, recording this Sunday afternoon. I'm in my I'm in my office space, very small studio apartment. We have a sliver of an office space. I'm talking 100 square feet, baby. This is the incubator of love right now. And um, we're going to talk about a few different things today. Uh, the SAP has always been a podcast that talks about relationships. Uh, we've always been uh, comics, interviewing comics about love, dating, sex, uh, getting along with your parents, um, coexisting in a world where you feel happy, where you feel good, where you're living your most authentic self. This is really what it comes down to is what kind of world can we create around us that makes this experience the most enjoyable. Uh, everybody is trying the best that they can with the tools that they have. Uh, we live in a world where some people are more enlightened than others. We get triggered by different things. It might be the way someone looks at us, getting cut off in traffic, the slow person uh, walking in front of us at the grocery store. Different things annoy the ever-living piss out of us. And part of being on this planet is learning how to avoid that limbic flare, that fight-or-flight response before it happens, not just reacting to it. So uh, this is important to say for this episode as we deal with a rather interesting election. Now, my plan today is to make this less political and more um, spiritual in the way that we think about overcoming our differences, being part of one community, universe, one song, universe, one song. We all need to harmonize in a way that uh, stays true to who we are, uh, grow, grows our ability to self-actualize, makes us happier. And in so many ways, it sounds like um, complete BS when you talk about uh, wanting, uh, wanting to make, wanting to attract a world to you that's kind, that's uh, full of love, that's full of abundance. And um, when you win an election, you might sometimes realize all of your answers aren't or I'm sorry, all of your questions aren't necessarily solved. So as somebody who voted for Joe Biden, as somebody who leans left, who wants social services for the poor and wants to get people onto their feet and realizes that we live in a country that um, isn't just offering handouts, but it's uh, trying to repair um, generations of inequity, privilege, things like that. So I come from a, of a food stamp mom. A mom who had food stamps, who now has a thriving business with my stepdad, and I understand that uh, that sometimes uh, we need a little help from the government. Sometimes we need a little help from our friends, and sometimes we need a little bit of a boost, inspiration, and whatnot to get us to a place where we're then better off and better helping others. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Einstein, and Einstein, quantum mechanics. Brainiac, I mean, the dude's nuts, right? Simplest quote ever. Einstein said, the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. Now, the key word there is believe. He didn't say whether we live in a friendly or hostile universe. It's whether we believe that we do. Because if we see things with rose-colored glasses, I'm not talking about toxic optimism. I'm talking about realizing even during tough situations, we can be, we can be um, 
we can be molded into stronger versions of who we are. Even in tough situations like the pandemic of 2020, you know, hopefully not too long into 2021, that we realize times are different. And this is where the innovative soul comes out of us to make our lives uh, better in some way or another. And and that might, you know, that might not be the time to, to be talking about it. A lot of people have lost their businesses. A lot of people have lost their savings. Uh, but it's important to sort of look at what's important in life and mend a lot of um, either disagreements or friendships or whatnot. So with the election, of course, uh, you've got half, you've got virtually half the country happy and half the country upset. That's just what you have. Um, it's less binary, I think, when it comes to how people actually feel. There's a lot of, um, a lot of I would say probably 90% of our country um, just wants to, higher than 90%, right? Just wants to be happy, just wants to get a paycheck and provide for the family. And we're divided amongst different types of media that think that this candidate's not going to do that for you, or this candidate's going to do it for you. You know, there's plenty of people that have been blindly supporting one candidate while atrocities are, are occurred. And there's plenty of people, you know, who support another candidate who, who may or may not deliver. And it's important that moving forward from now, we, we don't uh, just celebrate the fact that, quote unquote, we won, but we look at what needs to happen next in our society. So we talk about communicating. What, what we need to do right now is our country is going through a breakup. This is a conscious uncoupling from one president to the next. This is happening, folks. And the funny part is that we're kind of in that stage of denial where you got a lot of people that say, oh, it's all, uh, you know, it's a fraud. The election's a like this, you know, voter fraud, count the, the real ballots, don't count, you know, what are all this hogwash. And it's out there, folks. I'm, I mean, I've got people in the close circle of my family that believe that there's a grand conspiracy happening. I have a podcast listener who messaged me earlier that said, um, <laughs> they messaged me earlier and they said that, you know, it had something to do with lizard people and the, and Biden and Trump are both in on it and, and uh, you know, some mystic conspiracy. It was like, whoa, easy, folks. Easy, folks. Let's, 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 uh, let's recoil. Let's take this back to who we are in our small tribe and try to be a good person within our caravan. Once we can be a good person within our caravan, we can work on bigger on bigger things, on greater outreach. One of the problems we have with um, society right now and with social media, and there are a lot of problems with social media, but one of the problems we have is the fact that we've got, of course, freedom of speech, but somehow we've convinced ourselves that freedom of speech means freedom of platform. So because certain topics are controversial, because certain things that do better on the algorithm than others, you've got some complete idiots getting way more uh, impressions online than in any part of history. Would it, they wouldn't even, they would have been laughed out of the uh, Denny's. Now instead they got 50 million people seeing what they say. So um, Kamala Harris, uh, the vice president elect Kamala Harris. Uh, I'm always told I'm pronouncing her name wrong. Is it Kamala? 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 It's Kamala, right? She tweeted, while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last because every little girl watching tonight sees that this is a country of possibilities. 1.6 million hearts, 30,000 retweets. Corey Sturgeon, whom I believe is a real person. I don't think this is a bot. Corey Sturgeon replies, wait, so Michelle doesn't count? 
And then she puts like 18 different question marks. Like, I don't think you are the first woman of color in the office. I think Michelle Obama was the first. Or does she not count? Now, she didn't, this Corey person mistook, mistook, mistaken? Jeez, talk about idiots. I can't even, you know, finish my coffee here. This Corey person thought that Michelle Obama was vice president when, in fact, Michelle Obama was married and is married to Barack Obama. So you see the issue here that right below Kamala Harris speaking as one of the biggest, uh, most influential people in the universe right now, really, right? Vice president of the United States. Uh, just below that, we've got somebody who's... who's uh, conflating Michelle Obama. So you got to understand we've got such a problem with who we're giving a platform to in our country. Now, the social media, they're 10 years behind. I think they're trying their best to get rid of fake news. And I'm talking like real fake news. I'm talking about the type of news that just is there to split us up, divide us. And maybe this is it. Maybe this tweet was somebody who knew they were, they were you know, being an idiot, but just wanted to sow some some discourse and make us look like idiots. But you've got presidents of other countries using our own election against us as propaganda to show how sort of ill-informed we are. And we are. We're ill-informed. And that doesn't go just for the left or for the right. Generally speaking, the U.S. has been very um, politely uh, pushed to the side politically with the rest of the world because we do live far away from Europe. We live far away from Asia. We're kind of just plopped here in North America. We don't know other countries' presidents. We don't know their political process. Yeah, we know Putin. We know Macron. We know a few different people. But I, I, I was so humbled when I studied abroad in France that they knew more about my political system than I did. And that's just how it is in our country. We've had these blinders on. And that's okay. It's okay to have your blinders on. It's okay to not want to be a part of the discourse, but then don't get involved in social media and think that your voice matters as much as the people that put their their blood, sweat, and tears into it all. Do you know what I mean? So shout out to Daniel over there in the UK. He messaged us the night before the election. He was like, you guys going to do okay? How's it going to go over there? I was like, oh, I think we'll be okay. Even my mom texted me because my mom's on the East Coast and she gets her news from uh, right-leaning places. And she was like, are there a lot of riots happening in Los Angeles? I heard they boarded up all the buildings. And it's like, they boarded up these buildings a week and a half ago, hoping that there wouldn't be riots. But as we've showed with this coronavirus and with people um, not having their jobs and not having, you know, uh, any stimulus plan to look forward to, to keep them afloat while we wait for people to get back to work. I mean, there's a lot of disenfranchised people out there. So there's there's this breakup that's happening, right? There's this just breakup where we're going to go from one president to the next, one political agenda, um, you know, uh, all of these executive orders that Trump had. Now Biden's going to try to undo them. There's going to be people trying to stop it. There's going to be, uh, you know, who knows what's going to be happening next, right? But what's important is to look at the relationship side of things, right? So when you look at the relationship side of things, you go, okay, how do we, how do we overcome moving on from our ex? Because we're still at the stage where we don't know if the, if the ex dumped us, right? The ex, we moved on, new president, the ex president, uh, some, some voted, some didn't. Do they love us? Do they not? It's kind of like a relationship, right? So I think the best way to move on in any relationship, whether it's with our political government, whether it's when we get dumped, the best way to move on, as they always say, is to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to remember all the core basics 
for what makes us happy, what, what, what provides us with our authenticity, and what, what kind of gives us that, that positive energy so we can move forward. There's no point you know, making yourself sick, trying to poison somebody else just doesn't work. So like Einstein said, we need to decide if we live in a happy world or an unhappy world. And when we make that decision, a lot conspires around us uh, to prove that decision right. There's no wrong decision. The decision that we make, the decision I make, and the decision that you make will return to us um, via the law of attraction. Uh, so it's a real hard message to get through to people. It's, it, it sometimes can take uh, life-changing events. The pandemic might be one of them. Sometimes it's a car crash. I mean, it's literally like a, like a lightning strike moment. For me, I've been fired so many times that my ability to deal with rejection is probably this weird uh, skill that I have. I, in college... Two, uh, three times was um, uh, was um, taken off the baseball team just for performance reasons. wasn't good enough. Walked onto the team two times through a tryout process, Division One baseball. Both times after the fall season, I was cut. The happiest and the saddest moment that year, my freshman year of college, came. The happiest when I called my mom and told her I made the team. I remember where I was. I could barely get the words out. I was so proud. I had uh, tried out with a whole batch of people and I made the treat team and I still felt like a kid. I'm bare, I'm 18. I'm, I'm a scrawny 150 pounds. Some of these guys were like, man, this is right. Uh, the 2003, this is before the steroids became banned. So these guys are juiced. I remember this one pitcher. He used to warm up with a lead baseball dude was jacked, you know, out of his mind. And I'm just this scrawny kid throwing gas as hard as I could with this kind of like this young energy, right? And I made the team. You know, six weeks later, one month later, whatever it was, they they take the roster down from 40 down to 28 or whatever it is, 35 down to 20, I don't know. And um, I felt used, man. They just cut me. And the guy said, the the coach, I remember he takes me into into the office and it's like, you know what's about to happen. It's always the same. You can feel the energy and you go, dang, this is it, huh? And um, he was like, oh, if you want, I can give you a recommendation if you want to transfer to another school. I was like, look, I'm not transferring to another school because I got kicked out of a baseball uh, because I wasn't good enough. You know, like that, that just wasn't my priority. Because of that getting fired, I kept my eyes open for a new opportunity. Um, so many things came my way that would have never happened if I still played baseball. So many things. Joining a fraternity. Meeting a bunch of friends that I've had for life, studying abroad in France, all these things I wouldn't have been able to do if I was so stuck on the perceived success that I wanted. Out of college, I walked into an advertising agency, stuck, snuck in, really. Um, you know, they have they have security features. They've got the little swipe tool. You got to swipe it to get into the elevator. There's a door guy to stop people from going up the building. It was one of the largest buildings in Boston. So uh, this was the 21st floor. Um, I had to get through the security guard to get in. I was dressed up. I had just gone to a job fair at Fenway Park and the job sucked. They were stupid jobs. I mean, I'm talking stupid jobs. And I was like, I know what kind of job I want. I want to work in an office. I want to dress up. I want to like, I want to get a Blackberry. You know, so I saw someone who was leaving like they were, they were they were going back to the office from lunch and I just walked in right behind him. And I just I acted like I knew the place, you know, walked in, 
Got to, the, I think, the 16th floor, which is where I found out, um, I think her name was Deborah. I can't remember this old, this nice old lady. She was like the main secretary. It was a big ad agency. Several hundred people worked there, five floors. Biggest one in Boston or New England. And I remember saying, saying, hey, I, I, I don't have an interview, but here's my resume. And she said, thank you. Sorry, like we don't let unsolicited people in, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, no, no, that's totally understand. I totally get it. I just wanted to try to drop something off in person. I turn around. I start walking to the elevator. And she goes, uh, can, can you wait a second? If you just wait one second. And she, um, she went out of her bounds. She wasn't supposed to do this. But she let me sit in. And she went and got someone from HR. And they came in to talk to me. And it was an impromptu, quick interview, you know, 10 minutes. Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Oh, you know, I was just in town. I figured I'd stop in. I know how it works, but, I, you know, this is uh, they're just, you know, I'm trying to jump over that brick wall here. And um, they were cool. They put me in the system. They started calling me in for, like, potential jobs. You know, they were waiting for the right opening. And then I ended up getting a job. It was my first and only ever salaried position. It was cool. It was awesome. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. I had sort of had this idea of what I wanted. And as it turned out... Um, the position itself didn't offer me or any any room whatsoever to grow into what I wanted to become. I was fired within seven months. I didn't make it a year. Um, again, just like in baseball, fired for reasons that weren't anything super egregious. Just like, hey, you're not meant to do this. It was just kind of that thing like this isn't what you're meant to do. You're just you're not good at it. It's not you're you're not a bad person. You're just not good at this. I didn't. My ego didn't quite take it to heart. I agreed with them. Yeah, you're right. This isn't working out. Told my friends in the office, hey, I just got fired. No one believed me. They were like, come on, whatever. What are you talking about? I was like, no, no, no. I got to go pack up. I just want to let you know I just got fired. So I'm, I'm leaving. So, you know, it's getting everyone's phone numbers, making sure, you know, whatever. And then I was kind of kind of just like politely escorted out of the building. I had my whey protein. It looked like an idiot. You know what I mean? Because I had... It, at a gym at the office or whatever. I had way too much stuff. You never want to get fired with a bunch of stuff, right? So I call my mom again. I call her. I'm outside of the, the um, Kenmore Square area of Boston. And I call my mom. I was like, yep, they did it. It's over. And I felt an immense feeling of uh, relief that, I would, that, that all, the, all the failing that I had within that job would be done with. And I knew that something bigger would, would come out of it. Uh, because of that job, I had met uh, some filmmakers because in advertising, you, you'll have these filmmakers that work in advertising. They have side projects, this and that. And I was introduced to a new career of acting, filmmaking, and eventually stand-up comedy, improv comedy, uh, and then podcasting, and then YouTube. So one, uh, one failure after another was kind of like the chiseling away at the ice sculpture. And as I kept failing, I kept figuring out where I was going to succeed. And I don't have the answers to where that takes me in the long run, but I know through right now, I could have looked at those failures as spiteful moments of anger. And don't get me wrong, I would love one day to be doing a stand-up show in a theater and have my old boss show up and see me doing well. We all want to do well, and we all want to prove to others that we have that ability to, to do well, but it's important to look at our failures as as just things that ping pong us down the road to where we really should be successful. I mean, I always look back and go, imagine if I had a different client. Imagine if I was just good enough at a job I wasn't supposed to have, that it kept me in that job. My One of my greatest weaknesses is my, um, I'll put it this way, I will, I will, drive my head through a brick wall of red flags 
um, through sheer grit and determination. And in so many circumstances, I've needed people to tell me, stop, this isn't what you're meant to do. Um, I've, needed to, I've needed to be fired or, or not booked or whatever, because to me, I'll just pursue all these different things. But I think that's important because it's good to not have a fear of, of, being, of having a door shut in your face. It's good to not have a fear that things aren't going to work out. If we were better as a society in talking about our failures, I think we would be um, less risk adverse. One of the greatest um, benefits of the coronavirus, in my mind, is that it's taken away what a lot of people felt was their comfortable jobs, and it's forced us to look in the mirror and realize this world isn't safe. Do what you love to do. So many people kept their nice cushy jobs because they had healthcare attached to it. What did that get you? Maybe you still have that job, but maybe you don't. How about we work to build that equity within us? How about we work to build uh, the best version of who we can be? If we're out there not thriving on our own, we're just going to be, you know, weighing somebody else down. So I watched the um, SNL last night, Saturday Night Live, Saturday, what was that, November 7th? So that they had just called the election for Joe Biden. And then Dave Chappelle did a 16-minute opening stand-up bit. I say stand up loosely. At this point of Dave Chappelle's career, he's more of a philosopher. He said a few things. He said, I would implore everybody who's celebrating today to remember, it's good to be a humble winner. Remember when I was here four years ago. Remember how bad that felt. Remember that half the country right now still feels that way. Chappelle said, referring to his first hosting gig on the show in 2016. Um, Chappelle talked a lot about... um, don't let he said don't let hunger dictate your life um that doesn't make much sense out of context uh (sighs) kindness conspiracy Chappelle said if white house i'm sorry Chappelle said if white people actually want to help black people they should participate in his plan he called the kindness conspiracy it's random acts of kindness for black people do something nice for a black person just because they're black and you've got to make sure they don't deserve it that's kind of part of the f- the fun of doing things for you know doing things for others is it's not up to me if um if somebody you know asks for a buck you know at, at a stoplight a homeless person it's not up for me to really decide if they're going to use that money for alcohol or for you know drugs or whatever the act of kindness is is really about doing something for yourself giving to others and knowing that you've got the abundance to be able to do that um, but anyway so. Chappelle, I just talked about needing to, needing forgiveness and joy. So when I talk about my own personal failures, I'm also talking about that feeling we have in the country right now, where half of us think uh, they, that 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 their political party failed, and half of us think that it, they succeeded. And what's important to know is that whether it is your side that won or your side that lost, there's there is sort of like something to learn from it all. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I, I encourage you guys all to watch, to actually watch the 16-minute uh, Dave Chappelle monologue. Um, <clears throat> all the, he said, all these white people out here that feel that anguish, that pain, they're mad because they think nobody cares. Maybe they don't. Let me tell you something. I know how that feels. So it's about having empathy for another group of people that you would have never had empathy for and realizing that, like, you know, what Chappelle was talking about <clears throat> was pretty crazy because he related the crack epidemic 
from when from when there was like mass incar uh, you know this mass incarceration of blacks and this crack epidemic to what's going on in like the Midwest now with uh, the uh, poor white people and their opioid addiction and there is this belief that like we're all different but we all have the ability to fall into really hard times we all have the ability to really suffer and for me when you see people that are sort of stomping on the grave of the right you know there's so there's obviously people celebrating the the Biden victory obviously uh, a lot of people feel like the last four years was just a bully in office and some people disagree and they go well he's you know, I, li I, li I, I personally listen to a lot of uh, Trump supporters because you kind of want to hear what they have to say. And they go, why would I want Biden? He, d he hasn't done anything in 47 years. And they go, Trump, you know, he was going to go in there and drain the swamp and he was going <clears> to <throat> do this and that and speak the truth and, and all this. And when you decide as a, as a human, when you decide to root for somebody, um, you can become very blind to their deficiencies, right? So I think there's just a lot of people that got bad information. And as we've seen, like I was watching on Bill Maher last night, um, one of the uh, one of the guests was talking about how you have to understand we're not all dumb people. It, we just, we whatever we put into our body with, with through social media can really decide like where we go, right? So there's just these algorithms have really let us down with social media that they're there to kind of give us confirmation bias uh, show us what riles us up and makes us angry. It's so easy to rule by fear. So easy to rule by fear. It's such a negative um, primal energy that, of course, if you tell people that there's a caravan of rapists and murderers that are coming up from Honduras, of course they're going to want you to build a wall to keep them out. Like, it makes perfect sense. Looks like I just lost my camera here. Let's see if I can get it back. Uh, looks like it's gone. Hold on one second, folks. <clears throat> must be too hot in here. We have this thing. I've got the camera set up and uh, <clears throat> let's go to the webcam. For this new live streaming that I've been doing, um, unfortunately, it looks like some of the cameras overheat because they're right next to the lights. Anyway, for the audio listeners, that means nothing to you. For the video, I just switched to a different, less quality lens, which I hope you'll be okay with. If you've watched and listened for this long, I think you'll be fine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, so... The idea is that we have to realize we've been let down by social media. We've been let down by uh, media companies that uh, are willing to pit us to pit um, us against ourselves. Uh, companies like CNN or Fox, they, they've realized that they only need half of the audience. They used to be you try to be neutral. <clears throat> Excuse me. Used to be you try to be neutral and you would try to uh, have fair play and whatever. And now they realize, look, just... I can get enough ad money from the people that want to support my side. You get ad money from the people that want to support your side. And it really just put a line in the sand. And that's what we're forced to try to reckon with right now. And that's what we're forced to try to overcome. So what we need now as a country for ourselves, let's, let's make this real personal. What we need for ourselves to thrive is humility. We need to understand that we're not all evil, but we do have the ability to do bad things, all of us. If we if we if we get too uh, narcissistic and cent, cent, uh, self-centered on our goals, we end up kind of seeing how other people can help us, and then we kind of drown ourselves in this oasis where no one wants to be with us. Because what what really helps build a law of attraction and build positivity is by giving to others. It's it's sort of just like an oxymoron that you need to give to others in order to receive. 
It's like, oh, you want money? You got to give away money. You want people to invest time in you? You have to invest time in them. So let's talk a little bit about humility here. Humbleness or humility is perhaps an underrated virtue. It sounds like a very biblical trait. Indeed, many of the great religious leaders have been described and celebrated as humble. However, just because humility is old-fashioned does not mean that it's no longer important. What is humility? Um, humility, the state or quality of being humble, lowly, lowliness of mind, modesty. So this would be something that, you know, a guy like Trump would say, this is a beta male. This is, this is you, you know, you get nowhere in life by being, you know, you're going to have people walk all over you. These definitions make humility sound like a very negative quality, but humility as practiced by the great religious leaders was not negative. Their opinions of themselves were low only in the sense that they understood that they were not more important than others. They also understood that they were not less important than others either. Uh, Jesus, for example, was not afraid to fight for his right to speak out for others, especially those who were poor and struggling. And he spoke to those in authority in exactly the same way as he spoke to everyone else. In other words, humility is not being a doormat and allowing people to walk all over you. Instead, it is an understanding that every human is equally valuable, a recognition that you are worth no more or less than anyone else. How badly does our country need to read this right now? Half the country thinks they lost. Half the country's dancing think they won. We need a reset. Why does humility matter? One of the reasons why humility seems old-fashioned is that we often made, we're often made to feel we need to look out for ourselves because no one else will do so. It's a dog-eat-dog world, you know. That's the quote they say. This point of view suggests that you need to be aggressive to get what you need in life, which, along with pride, is perhaps the very opposite of humility. Our pages on assertiveness, however, argue that it is more appropriate to be assertive, to be able to stand up for yourself and others, putting your point of view calmly. Assertiveness is very uh, definitively compatible with humility. It recognizes that everyone has a right, has an equal right to be heard and enables everyone to put their point across. Indeed, it is quite possible to argue that not only is assertive compat assertiveness compatible with humility, but humility is absolutely essential for developing assertiveness. In other words, without a recognition that you are no more or less important than others, it is impossible to recognize that everyone has an equal right to be heard or indeed to listen to others openly. What about the fit between humility and self-esteem? Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. Our definition says that humility is having a low opinion of oneself, which is clearly closely linked to self-esteem. Being humble, however, does not mean having a poor opinion of yourself, but rather accepting yourself and your many good qualities as well as your limitations, recognizing that others also have good qualities and are equally valuable. Developing humility. For many of us, humility is one of the hardest traits to develop because it has to start with a recognition that you are not always right and that you do not have all the answers. You know, part of part of what I think is uh, important for me because I was I would say I didn't have much humility up until my college years. I had kind of succeeded a lot in my early life and uh, doing stand-up comedy, acting. Uh, auditioning, interviewing every week and, and thinking you did well and never hearing back, the amount of humility that is built within that process, I would even uh, sort of argue has been, has actually hurt my self-esteem. Like uh, my self-esteem needs uh, to be raised higher, but I think my humility level is okay. Like I understand um, that I'm no better or worse than somebody else. Uh, I understand that I do better creatively like like with stand-up when i'm when i'm actually investing the time in myself and building that equity i understand that i can take my sh my 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 um 
sort of my act to a higher level when I'm feeding it with love and with passion and with desire. But when I'm half-assing something, you know, the results are just right in front of your face. You'd have to be a complete um, narcissist to think that you don't control your destiny that way. So it's important to challenge others to say, look at yourself if you're failing and look at what you need to do differently versus look at all the different ways that somebody else has wronged you. Because there is a, a lot in society that, that can go wrong that's out of our control. And that takes us back to Einstein who said, do we live in a friendly world or a hostile world? It takes us back to that idea where, look, you're not always going to have the green lights right away that are going to like drive you in the right direction. There's going to be a lot of failure. So how do you keep your self-esteem? Know that you've got value, but not put yourself on this pedestal that's any better or worse than anyone else. So let's continue. Um, Humility requires an acceptance of yourself, which many of us find challenging. It is relatively easy to be humble when you're at the bottom of the tree, as it were, new in a job or or very junior. The more senior you get, however, the more likely you are to have people looking at you for answers and the more you find yourself believing that you can help. If you're not careful, you can reach senior positions, just just a moment at which you most need humility, believing that you are more or less infallible. To try to cultivate humility, you may want to try one or more of these activities. Spend time listening to others. A key quality of humbleness is to value others and enable them to be heard. Spending time listening to others and drawing out their feelings and values, enabling them to express themselves is a very powerful way to start to understand this. It's important to remember that you are not trying to solve their problems or answer them. Just listen and respond to them as a fellow human. Practice mindfulness and focus on the present. A key part of mindfulness is accepting what is rather than judging and commenting on it. Boy, I comment on everything. (laughs) An important element of humility is accepting yourself with all your faults rather than judging yourself for your shortcomings. That doesn't mean you should not strive to improve, but positively rather than berating yourself for your negative qualities. Um, Be grateful for what you have. Here's a tough one in our country, I think. I think maybe society in general has a hard time with gratitude. Be grateful for what you have. In other words, take the time to count your blessings and be thankful for them. Uh, It is easy to get sucked into a negative spiral of, of wanting more, whether in yourself or externally. Taking time to stop and remember what you have to be grateful for is a good way to cultivate a more humble and positive frame of mind. Ask for help when you need it. There is, as many of us will ruefully recognize, a form of pride that lies in being able to solve our own problems. Humility, therefore, lies in recognizing when we need help and being able to ask for it appropriately. You may find it helpful to read our page on transactional analysis to identify how to ask for help without losing a sense of equality. Uh, Seek feedback from others on a regular basis. This is perhaps particularly important for leaders, but we can all gain from hearing what others think of us. Take time to ask others to provide feedback anonymously if necessary and make it clear that you welcome their opinions. Listen to the feedback openly and then be grateful. The funny thing with this is getting feedback from others on a regular basis is literally what stand-up comedy is. So um, for me as a comic and even as a YouTuber, I know when a, I know when I make a video and a lot of people don't like it. I know when a stand-up joke's not working. It doesn't mean it doesn't have the ability to 
turn. Like the uh, the difference between something uh, being received by an audience and not being received can be so minuscule. It can come down to stage presence, uh, the way you word things. Uh, with YouTube, it can come down to editing or being believable or likable. Oh, likable is so important. So when it comes to getting feedback from others, listen, watch. Are you abrasive? Are you getting your point across? Everyone likes needs to be led differently. And this is important in relationships too. You need to get feedback from your significant other. Are you are you making them a better version of themselves? Are you helping enable them to live uh, the world they want to live? Because there's nothing there's nothing less um, there's nothing more bleak I would say than having someone be in a relationship and they don't feel creatively fulfilled. They don't feel like they're having their love well uh, filled up. Uh, those people. Um, you're, you're letting them down by not helping them spread their wings. Uh, so here's our last tip for humility. Review your actions against the language of pride. I love how that was said. Review your actions against the language of pride. Pride and arrogance, which also cover smugness, snobbery, and vanity, are unpleasant words. It can, it can sometimes be hard to avoid feeling a bit proud of ourselves or vain or even snobbish. It is often quite pleasant to feel like that, for example, if we have done something good and everyone is praising us. However, we tend not to call these feelings by name because the words themselves carry negative connotations. To cultivate humility, review your feelings against the words. Ask yourself, was that snobbish? Was I being a bit vain then? And be honest about the answers. Recognizing and naming these feelings for what they are is a good step towards humility. A final thought, and again, this is, um, I'll put this note in the description of this video or this podcast so you guys can check it out if you want to, um, to have a look at this. Uh, a final th uh, thought on humility. Humility may sound old-fashioned, but that does not mean that a little humbleness is not as important now as ever. In an era in which many bemoan the growing selfishness and eye focus of the world, perhaps we should all strive to develop a more humble approach. Well, there it is, folks. Makes sense, right? I'd love for you guys to write in and let me know what you guys think. Um, uh, let me know. I'll write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into my Instagram at dneals or wherever it is you write in. Um, the idea that our country can benefit from each of us not dancing on the grave of our political opponents but realizing that we all want something similar. We just have different ideas of how to get there. That's what it's all about. Uh couple more things. So what was so interesting about um, the more I've studied the law of attraction, which some call like the secret, it's like, oh, how do you get the world that you want, a vision board, this and that. To some people, it sounds really foolish, but to others, it just, it makes sense. It makes sense that um, when, when you're in a sublime mode of attracting, you got it. You're going five for five at the plate everything's in the zone peak you know energy can do no wrong that scenario isn't sustainable at all times but getting ourselves to have the blank canvas for success is something we can control it's just like the war of art the book that i talk about all the time in the book the war of art um there are scenarios you can put yourself into to get yourself to a creative spot okay um, creativity, um, blissful, uh, creative flow and energy doesn't always come out of nowhere. It happens in times where we're taking a shower, we're on a long road trip. It happens when we're able to clear our mind. And, and, and just as the law of attraction 
having positive energy, being able to self-actualize things we want in life happens when we put our brains and our, our spirit in a scenario which we can accept that love into our life. And part of that, again, I know this is heavy stuff, um, especially, you know, as someone who likes to joke around when I'm interviewing people, I definitely just want to hear about, you know, how they lost their virginity or their dating life or this or that. And when I'm alone is when I can kind of jump to the depths of what I want to get to. But the idea that our body, our mind is a transistor, it's a radio beacon, and we're able to tell the world, hey, I want these things out of life. Well, we need to strengthen that core beacon as strong as possible. I had a ton of Chinese food last night. I'm talking a ton of Chinese food. Whenever I have a lot of junk food or sugar, the next day I'm irritable. I can't make good decisions. My creativity stinks. And what I've learned over time is like, if I if I want to get something done, like real sustainable, create creative stuff or from, you know, whatever, I need at least six and a half to seven hours of sleep. I need to drink a lot of water. I like caffeine, but I, I need to go easy on the sugar. I've just really realized that there's parts to the physical side of creating when it comes to feeding your body in a way that gives your mind sustainable energy. That's kind of what it's about. So Einstein had this cool little I found this little formula. He said, ego equals, ego equals one over knowledge. Now, let me work through this with you guys because I'm not an expert on any of this. I'm just reading it. I'm learning about it. This isn't, I'm not mansplaining to you guys. This is me kind of trying to figure out um, things as I, as I kind of like, uh, you know, work, work, work through this stuff myself. So equal, ego equals one over knowledge. Uh, he said, more the knowledge, less the ego. Lesser the knowledge, more the ego. This is kind of the idea that we have of like smart people know when to be quiet and, and like sort of um, ignorant people think they have all the answers. So we're talking about the law of attraction now, right? We talked about humility, which is good. Now let's talk about how the law of attraction uh, and humility should go together. Law of attraction is indicative of the dynamic of like attracts like. Super simple, folks. Like attracts like. If you're watching this podcast, if you're listening to it, maybe you like what I have to say. Maybe we're on the same wavelength. Maybe it's interesting to you. The idea of self-actualizing, creating a world, building the equity in the self, um, leap in the net will appear, these types of thoughts, right? All these Eastern crazy mystical thoughts that really exist with all entrepreneurs, all people that are trying to live a life that's um, abundant, that's uh, happy and energetic and all that. Um, so anyway, uh, they go... Uh, let me read a little bit of this for you. Generally, it's pretty simple how the law of attraction works. For example, if I send out to the universe or to others to get, the law of attraction determines that the universe will either get from me or pull away from me that which I desire. On the flip side of that, if I send out to give, the universe will move toward me, giving me that which I desire. However, there's a catch too. It doesn't only matter that we send out to give to others. It also matters that we send out to give to ourselves as well. Okay, this is kind of complicated. Think about what kind of messages you are sending to yourself. What kind of thoughts, goals, dreams, and desires are you sending to yourself? The only way you can send to the only way you can send to give to yourself is to send out energy in a positive way. For instance, if you're caught in a negative thought process that is pulling you down, you're sending out to get. We should engage in positive self-talk. That's sending out to give to ourselves. Examples of positive self-talk are statements like, 
I do deserve the very best that life has to offer. I can accomplish these goals, dreams, and desires. I came into this world a 10, and I'm going to leave this world a 10. Ego protective versus ego maniac. Now, I'm going to describe these terms because I didn't know this term when I uh, first opened this article. You've heard it said, people work with people they know, like, and trust. People don't like working with egomaniacs or ego-protective people. Uh, an ego-protective person is someone with low self-esteem, and I, I guess an egomaniac is the opposite, high self-esteem, uh, too high self-esteem. Notice the word that each has in common, ego. What is necessary to change a person is to change his awareness of himself. Abraham Maslow. Humility is where the abundance can be found and is essential to the law of attraction. Humility sits right between ego protective and ego maniac. Take a look at the photo below, and it's a photo that has um, an ego protective person sees themselves below others, an ego maniac sees themselves above others, and humility is someone who sees themselves as equal to others. So there's a balance here. Humility is what we should aspire to achieve because it represents balance. Humility, simply put, is believing in yourself in an abundance. It's believing you have everything in the world to offer and also believing that everyone else does too. If you're in partnership with your source, whatever that source is, you can and should reach your maximum potential in life. They always say source and uh, some people that translates into God, some people that's universe, whatever you think is our creator. And I think it's important, I think it is important to have a little bit of a belief that we uh, belong to something bigger for the law of attraction. Like, I think, I think if you believe that, that we're just like random creatures, then this, then the laws might not make sense because you might be like, well, if we're just random, then there's no, there's, you know, it's, it's all randomness. But if you believe we were created with love and that we were like kind of divine creatures all connected, then I think it's a little bit easier to believe that, um, through that creation that we are, you know, special and all have the ability to create as our creator did, right? So anyway, if you can, if you can get through all that, then let's keep talking. Um, humility is what we aspire to achieve because it represents balance. Humility, simply put, is believing in yourself and in abundance. It's believing you have everything in the world to offer and also believing that everyone else does too. If you're in partnership with the source, okay, I already said this, but if you're in partnership with the source, whatever that source is, you can and should reach your maximum potential in life. Consequently, if you are doing everything you can to make the world better for yourself and others, then you are in balance. This means being centered in self, not self-centered. Realistically, however, most of us spend our time veering from left to right on the pendulum of balance. How can we stay centered? Love. We are all the same in that we have a desire to love and be loved. If I focus on my own and everybody else's desire to love and be loved, then chances are I will stay balanced right in the middle of the pendulum. The ultimate goal is to be centered in self rather than self-centered. Love is the only way to achieve abundance, success, happiness, peace, and joy. I mean, really, think about it. Break it down. When you break it down to your friends that are successful, your even gurus, people that you know, chances are they give, they're very generous. They, they, they don't live this scarcity lifestyle where they think that they don't have enough. Like they have enough and they're willing to share it. Personal development is a great way to center yourself and find the balance needed to steer the law of attraction in the direction of your goals and desires. I love sharing what I've learned about this and would love to share it with you. Um, <clears throat> one second. Okay. Let's see if there's a, I think that's kind of the end of that article. So, so, so in order to wrap this all up in a shiny bow here, as somebody who 
feels kind of blue collar in the old spiritual department because I don't feel like I've got all the answers. Um, I just feel like I have a thirst for knowing these things because so much of what I'm trying to do with my life um, like requires a level of miracle. It requires a level of faith and hope and gracefulness that gets us there because there's so much there are so many limitations we could set if we wanted to that no no realistic person in the world should ever want to reach for any goals because there's a million and one forces to stop us from achieving them. So it's important to have a little bit of dumb optimism. I say dumb. I don't think it's dumb at all. I think it takes a crazy amount of balls or ovaries or whatever sexual organ you want to really say that in the face of all of this negativity, in the face of all the things that can go wrong, I'm going to share the things that are going right. I'm going to breathe into that love that's working. I was reading this book, um, The Law of Divine Compensation, Marianne Williamson. I don't have any quotes pulled up, but maybe we can find one to end on. It's on. So it's called The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles. Now, of course, if you know Marianne Williamson, what a great way to end this conversation because she ran for president this year, you know, in the in the primaries. She ran uh, and uh, she got she got more search, more searches about her name than any other candidate because she she had decided that what needs to solve our country is a greater love. What needs to solve all of our divides is knowing about this love that we all have within us and that it is stronger than all of these other um, forces that are working to tear us apart. Um, one of my greatest, I would say, uh, weaknesses um, is my work ethic. No, <laughs> one of my greatest weaknesses is this limitation I have put on myself that abundance won't come until a certain part of my life. Like like I've kind of put this weird limitation that like I need to work extra hard to get things. And it's like, well, I can have success along the way. Um, while, while we're searching to be better performers, comedians, YouTubers, whatever, there can be success along the way. I should be embracing that and not sending these like negative thoughts because it really, I mean, up until this pandemic... You ever, you guys ever see the show Lost? Um, what a great show! But this character Locke, right? He's this old guy. He shows up right on the island. There's a plane crash. He was crippled. He was um, he was in a wheelchair. And then when the plane crash, when the plane hit the ground, all these mystical things happened. He started. He was able to walk. He was healed. So while other people were looking at this plane crash as this negative, horrible thing, he looked at it as this blessing. And he kind of maintained this mystical opt, uh, um, optimism throughout the show because he knew there was greater forces at work. So the question is, what happens and what can happen in our life that is that plane crash moment that actually um, helps us? And I think for me, part of it's kind of this pandemic. Now, don't get me wrong. This could age poorly. I could get the virus and die tomorrow. Uh, who knows? But as far as right now, it got me away from this toxic job I was in. It's created this sort of incubator of energy in my studio apartment where I've been able to create more. And the second I knew for sure I wasn't going back to my job and unemployment ran out and all these things, people started watching my YouTube. People started commenting. People started donating and sharing and this and that. And it was just insane. 
it's so funny. I have this, I was my note card. I, I didn't even know this, but my note cards right there for those YouTube watching is my Venmo and my cash app. Uh, this, this, um, I had, I had put this on an index card. I don't know why this was probably from a stand-up show. Sometimes I would host these stand-up shows before the pandemic and, uh, we would give out free champagne, free mimosas, and then people would donate. And, um, it's actually funny doing that. We would probably make more than if we just charged for the mimosas because people wanted to donate more because they were enjoying the live comedy and they felt better and they were happier. Uh, cause comedy can do that. It can make you laugh and forget your problems and you release endorphins and feel good. But anyway, the point is, is that my biggest hangup has been my un- unwillingness to, to think bigger within my career. And part of that might come from having my self-esteem lowered because, you know, living in Los Angeles, you can lower your self-esteem. It can be kind of tough and soul sucking. As they always say, it can be very uh, challenging, but um, that might've been a problem. Who knows? But anyway, I got this book, um, the law of divine compensation, and it does wonders for talking about how we have the ability to really overcome a lot of the programming that keeps us from, from knowing that we've got the ability to overcome all of these problems. So I'll just read a quick statement from this. We'll get up to an hour here and we'll get out of here. Um, Chapter 12, Embracing Abundance. As a child of God, and again, uh, Marian Williamson uses God. If you want to say source or universe or whatever divine connection that we all have, go for it. Because this is less about, uh, this isn't a religious exercise. It's about knowing that there's something bigger than all of us. And while on this physical plane, we might be separated uh, by touch on the sort of empathic uh, spiritual level, we're all connected. You can't watch somebody get hurt without feeling hurt within you. I watched this crazy movie called The Impossible yesterday about the, about the um, tsunami in Thailand. Um, Naomi Watts, I think it's called The Impossible. Oh my gosh, I, cr- I haven't cried like that in so long. I felt so connected to this random family. They did such a good job of bringing out this raw emotion in all of us. We have this connection. We laugh together. We cry together. So anyway, um, as a child of God, you are inwardly abundant. External abundance is simply a reflection of who and what you are. A spiritual economy is one in which abundance is a natural result of people actualizing their gift, God-given gifts. True prosperity is the prospering of our spirits in service to love. You are an idea in the mind of God, and an, and an idea does not leave in its source. God is infinite and God is love. Therefore, you share in that infinitude and you share in that love. This is simply the truth of who you are. The universe of which you are part of uh, is an all-loving field of miraculous possibility, not only in every instant, but also moving through time. In physics terms, you're not a particle, but a wave. You're not a static thing, but rather an ever-evolving emanation of the mind of God. Spirit has great plans for you because God's mind is an eternal wellspring of infinite love. This wellspring literally never runs out of ideas. We feel it would be arrogant to think of ourselves as God's gift to the world, yet in fact, that's exactly who each of us is. Your awareness of these things helps write the universe on your behalf, lifting you above the effects of the fear-based thought system that dominates this planet. Man, she can't say it any better than that, right? The result of us feeling shame when we think we have something... uh, big to give to others is because of the fear-based thought system that dominates this planet. Your greatest source of power in this world is the knowledge that you're not of this world. None of us are truly at home in this dimension and counterintuitive though it is, we dwell most comfortably within the world uh, when we know that. Our true home lies beyond the veil of illusion and we are here to shed the light of our true home into all darkened corners of the world. 
With that understanding, we unleash the unlimited potential that lies within each of us to create the good, the true, and the beautiful. Such are the gifts of the Spirit that we carry within. We're programmed for abundance because we are abundant. Financial prosperity is one of the many ways we receive the gifts of the world as we deliver to the world the gifts we bring from beyond it. Very simply put, as I started getting some more followers on YouTube, as I started sharing more on YouTube, people started donating. Sure, I said, hey, you know, I gave them the choice. I gave them the chance to donate. I gave them I gave them the simplicity of the Venmo and the Patreon and the different ways. And the, the technology has made it very easy to connect to each other with donations. But it is amazing how grateful and how humble I am in knowing that just my being able to talk to people and relate to them is enough for them to want to return that with a monetary value. And that's that's an example, whether it's a, someone with a $100 a month Patreon or someone that makes $500,000 a month on Patreon. Your ability to connect to the world is what is so special about who we all are as humans. And we're fighting and sort of punching through this cocoon that has kept us from truly evolving and metamorphosizing to who we really are. And at what point, you know, at some point, we just outgrow the current system. We have to shed that skin and become something bigger. And if you don't feel that way, then you might not be there yet, but you might be listening to me going, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I'm not pushing hard enough to break through this where I am right now, but I feel suffocated. And all I can tell you is you use the forces that are good in this world to give your gift to others. A lot of advice I give people is like, look, like YouTube, uh, the podcast, it's free. People can take, take this for what it's worth. If they have the, if, if it resonates with them, they can, they can donate back to me or they can, you know, just keep watching or sharing with their friends. And that helps build ad revenue as well. So the idea that like, we, you know, the, the, the fragile thought and fear-based thought that we live in tells us, you know, there's brick walls, there's limitations, you're a starving artist, you can't survive. And what we have to remember is we have to survive. We have to do what it is that we love to do because we're way more valuable as that than anything else. I, I read something the other day about a guy who became a dentist. He was a, it was a personal story he posted on Reddit. He became a dentist and he said, you know, I got into it to make money because I thought I needed to make money. People said, you need to make money. And now he is 20 years later being a dentist. He's got to show up to work every day doing a job he hates and looking at people's mouths. Hey, if you love being a dentist, great. But you can find a way to thrive in this world by doing things that you love. And the more you explore how to share your art, your love, your message, the more... Um, special symbols that will find you that will remind you that that you're on the right path the more you ask questions about how can i succeed more and share my love the more you're going to get these signs thrown at you right in your face that say this is what you need to be doing this is your path to love do you wake up in the first thing in the morning you love having a coffee and doing what you love if the answer is no you might be doing the wrong thing and you might start consider how can I spend more time investing in the equity to do what it is that I love because when you're doing something you love, when others share with it, they will that love will expand. You know what I mean? Hope this all makes sense. I wanted to give a quick shout out to two of our new Patreon members. Let's see if I can pull them up over here. 
Uh, we have two new Patreon members. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it is a, um, it's an app, patreon.com, and it is a place for people that can contribute a monthly amount to us to get private episodes. So they get an extra three episodes a month, sometimes more, sometimes less, but usually more. I send them a postcard, a welcome postcard, and our new Patreon members, Angelica and Layla. I think it's Layla or is it Lala? You got to let me know. I always say it different. Is it Lala or Layla? Anyway, you guys have been so sweet. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. If anyone wants to and wants more content, I do a lot of my solo episodes uh, episodes on the Patreon only. And normally on the actual podcast, it's Tasha and myself talking, or sometimes I'll talk, you know, we'll have guests a couple episodes a month. Um, it's been a little bit harder to have guests during the pandemic, but of course we, we try our best. We do a social distancing podcast on the roof. You can check that out on the YouTube or on the podcast app, the SAP, wherever you listen to podcasts. But if you do want to go support an additional way, you can go to the Patreon and that's patreon.com slash the SAP, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. And I wanted to also give a shout out to uh, the all everyone who's been watching on the live streams. I've been doing my bachelor recaps and um, it's really just like a jumping off point to have random conversations with strangers. And we've had about a hundred or so live uh, people that watch live and then probably another thousand that catch it after afterwards and you guys have been so great on youtube leaving comments and chatting and i appreciate it so so much uh, so many of you marissa anderson in chicago have donated you know five dollars ten dollars twenty dollars deirdre uh, donated another twenty five dollars on top of the patreon and i just had to tell you guys that it is with so much gratitude that I've decided to take a few leaps and try new things and try this streaming service and and you know I'm kind of jumping out of my um, comfort zone here and I'm and I'm sucking in at some of it and I'm doing better at others but it's a it's a muscle and a little bit of growth and I appreciate you guys so much for believing in me and the, the messages I'm getting from people saying oh don't forget me when you're bigger it's like I <laughs> the humility that I require it is so like <laughs> I've dealt with so much random failure in so many different ventures that I'm telling you guys right now I appreciate this process so so much. I am so fortunate and glad I wasn't kind of put on the road to success right away. I've had to see uh, through uh, gritting my teeth and clenching for opportunity. I've had to see um, a very slow yet uh, yet a upward trend in my subscribers that it could all explode tomorrow into some crazy. Um, good thing. And I will never forget the people that helped me get the ball rolling along the way. I hope that makes sense uh, to the Patreon members like Oz and Vic and Daniel and Asthma. And uh, like I said, Deirdre and uh, there's gonna be so many that I forget, but Liz Breen, oh, I shouldn't have done last names, but thank you so much to, um, to all the people that are out there that um, I follow you guys back on Instagram and see your dog photos and the fun things that you're doing. Tasha and I love so much keeping track of you guys. It is not uh, just us broadcasting to you through the microphone. It is a two-way conversation. And uh, again, I'm being super redundant here, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, guys. Um, you have been the reason this podcast has kept going. If you have any questions or topics you want me to cover, just write in, uh, slide me a message on Instagram or whatnot. And um, I'll put the links to these articles in the description and also different ways you can donate if you want to. But again, that's for you guys. Uh, if you if you find value in it, um, absolutely. Um, if this is, uh, if just by watching and sharing with your friends is all you can do, then I appreciate that so, so much. And without further ado, I'll get out of here. Thank you guys again so much for listening to this app.